You know, when you look at a pyramid, we've been manipulated to believe the power in a pyramid is at the top. It ain't. The top of the pyramid is there because the rest of the pyramid's holding it up. We're holding this whole thing together. There's a story I told many years ago of a British comedian called Larry Grayson, who died. And I went to his memorial service in Covent Garden, and this other comedian did this tribute to his life in which he read out this story that Larry Grayson had told him. When they were going around the variety halls and the theatres in the 60s, they had this all-male show. And Larry Grayson was the only woman in it because he used to dress up as a woman. And he said that the end of the, the, end of the show, the last scene, all the sailors, uh, all the men came on dressed as sailors and they were singing Rule Britannia. You know, Rule Britannia, Britannia rules the waves. Oh, I'm very pleased for you. Okay. And as it built up, Larry Grayson would come on dressed as Britannia with the, the helmet and the shield and he would be manhandled up the side of this pyramid to the top for the big finish. And he said, one night, he said, things seemed to be going rather well. He said, and then I noticed that a sailor in the bottom left-hand corner had got rather a cough. And this cough got worse and worse and worse to the point where the sailor couldn't stay in the pyramid anymore and stepped out of it. Larry Grayson, symbolic of this elite at the peak of the pyramid, ended up in the second row. And the elite, the power center, had done nothing to bring about this. One sailor, the bottom of the pyramid, had got a cough. And the whole thing collapsed. That's it. We, the powerless people, are holding the powerful people up there and they know that. They're terrified of us realizing that. And that's why this network of manipulation works so hard to keep us in these states. No longer will we just do it because we're told to do it. Is it just? Is it right? Okay, I'll do it. Is it unjust? Is it not right? I ain't doing it. We start to make the decisions on what we will and will not do based on our values and not some imposition from the dark suits. These people are going to give me, grant me or grant me not my freedom. I'm all that is. You can't grant me freedom. No one can grant me freedom. I am freedom. It's what I am. The big question, what would consciousness do? What would consciousness do in this situation? And when we ask that question, it really just changed the way we see the world. Not what would I do, mind, or frightened. What would consciousness do? You know, this, this is a great line. If it's not right, don't do it. If it's not true, don't say it. And what would transform this world overnight is if we started doing what we knew to be right in the situations we face instead of what we think is right for us in the moment. What is right? What is just in this situation? If we started making decisions based on that, the world would transform overnight. These are very simple things. If we want a world of peace, then we need to be peaceful. We don't need to fight for it. We just need to be peaceful and we'll bring that about. If we want a world of kindness, we need to be kind and then it will naturally unfold. We don't fight for kindness. As Martin Luther King said, it's a wonderful saying. Cowardice asks the question, is it safe? Expediency asks the question, is it politic? Vanity asks the question, is it popular? But conscience, consciousness asks the question, is it right? 
And there comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe, nor politic, nor popular, but one must take it because it is right. And when enough of us do that, what is right will manifest by definition. And we're in this position now where this, this, this vibrational change, this energetic change is taking place. When we can start becoming the full magnitude of who we are. Where we can be consciousness in the now. Using mind to experience this reality instead of being governed by it. Turning the key to let consciousness in. We're being offered this opportunity now. No longer can we say we didn't realize who we are. We didn't know we could do that. And that's what we're being offered the chance to do now. To turn the master key called becoming conscious that will bring an end to this. It's being given to us. We just need to take it. And to take it, we need to say enough. Enough of being enslaved by these people. Enough of being enslaved by our manipulated ignorance. Enough of being enslaved by the fear of being who we are. It is time to fly. It is time to fly. Welcome to The Machine, everyone. I am your host, Mario, here with my co-host, Jeff Rowe. Journey with us as we adventure into conspiracy theories and the unexplained. Okay, we are back, everybody. Good to be back. Good to hear uh, from everybody who's been contacting us and doing everything they can to reach out to us. Uh, Before we get started in this episode that Jeff Rowe and I have provided for you, the listener, I'm going to go over a few things because we've had some people reach out to us and ask, uh, you know, how how do we contact you? Which is a little odd because they do reach out one way or another. I, I, we had one person leave a review, which, by the way, if you're listening to the podcast, that's what's going to help us grow. Another way that's going to help us grow is leaving a review. Uh, if you do like it, you know, even even if you don't think it's all that great, you still leave a review. We appreciate it. It's how we learn. It's how we grow. It's what we always tell everybody. Um but one of the one of the ways you're able to reach out to us, and it's very difficult because people can't find us uh, on Facebook. Our, our Facebook page is because it's been pretty much removed. We had somebody reach out to us and say it took forever to find your page on Facebook. But you know, after doing it, we were hit with this disclaimer on you know how the content we have is not quote-unquote fact which i mean who the hell knows what's fact and what isn't fact thanks to facebook and all their agenda pushing but 
That is one way. Another way is through email. Our email is conspiracy machine podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. That is our email. Um, we also have a Discord. If anybody would like to link to that, you can reach out to us, get that link. We have a website, our Wix website, um, which I will be giving you by the end of this episode. I have to find it. I will, I will get it over to you guys. So Paige, Paige asks, uh, she says, I love listening to your show. I only wish there was more to binge. LOL. Thank you very much for that page. We're working on it. Uh, also, how to figure out how to reach out to you and join an episode, which we encourage a lot of people, you know, to join discussions. We love hearing from people and, uh, you know, talking conversation is the key to everything here. Uh, We've had certain people reach out to us, uh, James Hunter, a a April again, our our good friend, April, Roberta, good friend, Roberta, Michael, um, Lee, uh, not abducted Lee, by the way. Not abductedly. Um, Denise, Denise, am I saying that right? Is it Denise? You done messed up, A.A. Ron! Now take your ass on down to Osak Hennessy's office right now and tell him exactly what you did. Uh, just the list goes on and on. If I'm missing anybody, it's not intentional. We love you guys. We appreciate uh, you know all the feedback we're getting and uh, the interest. So without further, Jeffro, who is here with me, right beside me, not on the road, not doing this, you know, road thing right now. We're here together. We're going to record this episode for you, the listener. We're gonna we're, we're gonna start covering some of these uh, secret societies here, Jeffro. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, much requested podcast. And the reason why we decided to to cover the secret societies is because that was, like you said, requested podcasts uh, to cover some secret secret societies as well as we we kind of felt we talked about it we kind of felt we couldn't do the episode that was asked for the past year at least of 911 and those conspiracies which we're going to get into that and you know we hope not to tick off too many people when we do but I, we're not here for the faint of heart so do understand it's uh, food for thought and all free thought so when we get into that, we, we, we can't get into that without talking about these secret societies first, right? Right. No, yeah. We wanted to lay the groundwork because this subject matter is so, like you said, it, it's inflammatory. People feel very you know, emotional about it, one side or the other. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to sort of look back at the origins and say, okay, how and why could this 9-11 event have become... Uh, or not have become, but been a, a conspiracy. There's, you know, people don't want to believe in any way that their government would do something like this to them. So, what we want to do is we want to go back and we want to lay the groundwork and say, okay, this isn't a new phenomenon. This is something that has been reoccurring and, and rearing its ugly head for a millennia. Right, and that's one of the reasons why we released the the last episode, Conspiracy Fact, and uh, we inserted that huge clip. Uh, what was it like? Almost a half an hour long of a, of a huge clip of an audible that uh, from a book that I'd been listening to on these different conspiracy topics and everything. Um, but it gave different instances where 
the theory had actually become factual. So when you put out that that terminology of conspiracy theory, it's almost immediately demonized by you know mainstream to to make people think that you know it's just these crazy people believing in lizard people with tinfoil hats and aliens are going to come down and take everybody away. There, there's some truth to some of those crazy things, but at the same time, it's not more often than not. It's not the conspiracy theorists. It's not the, the what I like to call critical thinkers. It's not those people that are taking it to that extreme. No, what it, and what's funny is they like to hide behind that image, you know that that image of the tinfoil hat guy, right? Right. So the the interesting thing, one of the interesting things that we've found on this journey on this podcast is a lot of the conspiracy theories the, the most intriguing ones are the ones that are more believable rather than you know the lizard people and things like that which who knows right but the things that affect us on a day-to-day basis and we kind of want to shine a light on that and that will lead us into things like more current events like 9-11 and, and whatnot right the uh the control the overall control of what's uh, what's happening in our world, and not just here in the uh, the U.S. where we are, because we have listeners, and we say this all the time, we have listeners all over the world. Um, we have, uh, I know somebody on our Facebook page, I'm not going to say who it is, but uh, this individual, and because uh, as far as I know, I, I only see one Australian individual liking our Facebook page uh, numerous times. I'm not going to say your name because I don't, I, you know, I don't want to out you or anything like that. But if, uh, you know, we we're always trying to get in touch with our Aussie friends to find out exactly what's going on down under, because it seems there is a, a lot of shady stuff going on there down there, and we'd really like to bring it to light. Uh, we don't want to get anybody in trouble. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to put you in danger. But uh, this individual, we do notice you liking our content. We do notice you. I don't even think this individual has commented on the content. Just, you know, hitting that like button and doing things like that, which is great. And fine, we appreciate that. But we have been looking and trying to seek out people to speak out on what's going on down there. And we just cannot. So, I mean, if you're feeling ballsy, here's your opportunity. I mean, we're... We're podcasts. Do we have followers? Yeah, we've got some followers. Our numbers are, we always say our numbers are growing, and they are, but, uh, you know, we're no Joe Rogan or uh, Tim Pool or anything like that, so you're not going to get hit on those wildly known numbers, and, you know, you're not going to be oust right away. So if if you're feeling froggy here, or ruish, I guess, <laughs> Please leap, uh, comment on, I know you're at least on that Facebook page. This is me personally asking you, you know, if either way, please let us know. Yeah, for no other reason, you know, give yourself uh, a formed event and release some stress and pressure and get your voice out there. That's more people like us than we know. More people like us than we know for sure. Um, so we, we when we start talking about these different... Uh, these different secret societies, right? Immediately, the the bigger secret societies pop out. You know, the more pop cultured secret societies uh, that just really they're not afraid to be known anymore. Before it was a secret, you know, 
before it was, oh, you know, everything is secret about now. It's just not, they don't give a shit. They don't care what you know. They don't care if you know about them or their practices anymore. They really just don't care because they're, they're too powerful. Uh, some of these secret societies, when we're going to be talking about the Illuminati, we're going to be talking about the Freemasons. We're going to be talking about the Bilderbergs, uh, skull and bones on and on. Right. Right, yeah. And, and, you know, what's interesting is, I know a lot, at least with the Freemason sort of uh, sect of everything, there's a lot of people that are in general lodges and Freemasons. Right. And when we're kind of describing uh, the Freemasons or, or some of these other people, uh, what's important to keep in mind is there's always a hierarchy in these clubs, right? Right. And it's those people, again, at the top of the pyramid, right? It's the people at the top of the pyramid that, look down their noses at everybody else that have this secret knowledge or, you know, secret knowledge that they claim is, is potent and it's what gives them and imbues them with their power. And it's that portion of even these secret societies that we're talking about. Because with any secret society, you're going to have, you know, just the worker bees, right? You're going to have yeah. the, the, the underlings. You're going to have the people who don't know what's going on. Everything's compartmentalized. And that's true, too, in these secret societies. So anybody out there who is a Freemason and, you know, you don't see a lot of this stuff, you may not, right? And, and we're not trying to cast aspersions on everybody in some of these organizations because not all secret societies are of the negative, you know, version. So, but yeah, again, it, it's a reflection well. on... It's a reflection on that top 10%. I would say, I, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with you there, Jeffrey. No? Okay. Um, I would, because I would, honestly, I would say all secret societies. I would say all secret societies are nefarious in one way or another. I don't see the reason for the existence for it, period. Um, but I do see what you're saying and where you're coming from as far as saying some of these members in these secret societies are oblivious to the higher end, which means that, like you were saying, like a pyramid, there are levels, right? There are different levels of knowledge. You're not going to start out the bo- at the bottom and know everything that there is. You know, let's say there's 33 levels, right? Hmm. Let's say there's 33 levels, and you're at the, you know, middle to lower levels. You're not going to know half of the knowledge purposely. And they're just going to continue to tell you that this other knowledge that you're hearing about that maybe somebody leaked out or exposed or whatever, it's not real. Well, to me, again, the point of a secret society or, you know, these organizations is is to do what? what what's the point? Well, you're right. It's, it's to create uh, an elite class, right? There you go. It, it's, you know, and in, whenever I use that term in this, in this version, I mean... Um, those who know and those who don't, right? That that small percentage of people that allows you to be part of something special. And we always believe that knowledge is, should be freely spoken of and shared here uh, on our podcast anyway. Uh, that That's kind of our bread and butter here, what we do. It's all knowledge. Right, yeah. And and I understand what you're saying. Um, secret, just the idea of secret society. Right. In of itself... You know, it lends itself to obfuscate any sort of information, and it you know 
withholds all the truth and it, it's not transparent. So therefore, I can see what you're saying whenever you say secret society. If it's secret anything, <laughs> it, it's gotta it's gotta be secret for a reason. It's, it's gotta a reason be the virus, right? right? Yeah. So, and one one of the we start to think about why they exist. Like, why would a secret society exist? Why would somebody pull together a group of people? And what group of people would you pull together and why to do what? Like, what's the purpose? And then that's where it gets nefarious. I mean, just the, the thought in itself is you're pulling together not just anybody. I mean, if that were the case, you're not going to the inner city to the lower class to pull these people into a room to say, hey, listen, this is what we need to do about uh, different situations we're having here in the world. And and uh, you, you, they're not going to talk to these people. They're going to talk to people with money. They're going to talk to people with power. These are the only people that get together in these secret societies, especially you know at the, at the, the very top. To do these certain things, to make these certain moves, to make these organizations work. Because like you said, you still need those worker bees. You can't do everything on yourself. A group of four or five people, as done, as perfectly put in the clip that we shared before we got into this episode, when you have a pyramid, you got the smaller part at the top, but it's the base of that pyramid that's holding it up. Right. So... When you have these people together, what, what's the agenda? What's the purpose? And then that's when you start to dig into some of these conspiracy theories and the things that we see, the transitioning of wealth, the uh, the different uh, actions that we have. We talked about Titanic in the past. We did an episode on Titanic and how it went into uh, the Federal Reserve, which has been, again, the evidence is there. It's How much of a coincidence is it until you look at it and say, okay, there's something here. You know, we, we should do that with everything, not just what we choose. But that's what we see in these different secret societies all the time with the different changes and different things and different movements. And, and these type of things that happen, I mean, that's what I see. Again, you know, it has to start with a nefarious thought of one, two, three, four, five people coming together and going, okay, we have the money, we have the power, we need to control to make sure this happens. Well, who the hell gave you the right? Who gave you this power? Right? And you see right. where I'm going here. Well, no, yeah. And, and again, this this the people who gave them the power are those who just acquiesce and, and don't make their voice heard, which is Again, sort of where we come back with this podcast. We we were so silent. We were unaware of of so many of our listeners that have reached out to us. You know, you and I, for the most part, we knew there was a few people out there, but we had no idea there was such a community that that's been you know enlightening our eyes to all these different conspiracy theories. And and in my effort to go ahead and try to answer your question, whenever you said, you know, how did it start? Well, very simply, going all the way back to depending on your viewpoints of pre-man, you know, prehistory. You know, you look at hunting parties and gathering parties and you know, small groups of people. You know, everything kind of starts out with a leader, right? Everything sort sorts sorts to uh, crush, you know, create a crescendo of okay. Well, there's the best hunter in the group. You know, there's the best weaver in the group there's the best you know homemaker there's the best you know all these 
you know, all these ideas create this elitist sort of who's in charge. Only the best. Some are saying the best. <laughs> Only the best. Right. So and this goes back to even prehistory. And then you start getting into the fact that you get into these small groups, right? And in these small groups, you, you in an effort to keep your power, if you're somebody like a, a mayor of a city or, you know, a mayor, a leader of a tribe, a king of a tribe or, or a witch doctor of a tribe or, you know, whether it's religious ceremony, right? Or whether it's, you know, a person of the clergy, you know, whatever that might mean in, in your tribe or your group of people. They all sort of position themselves in, hey, listen, you know, I can feed you if you give me this, right? Or I can lead you if you give me this. Or I can show you the way to heaven if you give me this. And it's a position that people will find themselves and they grow hungry in that position. And what ends up happening is you create these echo chambers where these groups stick together, right? You get you get groups of priests. You get groups of leaders. You get groups of... You get these small groups and they're able to have this this power that's so intoxicating of being able to control others. The manipulation of the it's mind. It's a manipulation of the mind. So we and, see this, we, we, and we've seen this in uh, the Vatican how many times with the molestation of uh, adolescents. And I, I'm not here to demonize a religion or anything like that or just hammer away at it. I, I think they do a pretty good job of that on their own, to be honest with you. But how many of those priests that were uh, were found to be doing this does anybody know if they were ever tried or found guilty or anything like that? As far as I know, they were protected by the church. Hmm. That's interesting. So uh, one power protecting its own power, practicing these horrible acts because they can. Right. And, and, and again, you know, in an effort to go ahead and try to explain why some of this stuff is so nefarious and, and so imbued and, and entangled in our societies. I came across a couple psychological studies that I wanted to touch base on that kind of, you know, touch base on this and, and going forward with this series, maybe if we could keep some of these studies in mind, they kind of make sense and, and give a reason and a rationale as to why it's so easy for the human condition to go ahead and to fall into these traps. Um, there was a study done in 1998 in conjunction with Harvard and Kent State and it was based off the idea that we as humans have a hard time noticing what's right in front of us. And what they did was they targeted pedestrians on a college campus to determine how much people noticed about their immediate environments. Okay. They had an actor that walked up to a pedestrian and asked for directions. And while the pedestrian was giving the directions, two men carrying a large wooden door walked in between them and blocked the view of the pedestrian and the actor. And uh, during that time, the actor was replaced with another actor, one who had a different height, different build, different outfit, haircut, voice, everything. Completely different actor. Okay. And once the door passed, only half of the pedestrians realized the actor was replaced with another actor. Or, or the person asking for directions was replaced with 
with another person. So it, it goes to show that our observation skills aren't what we think they are. And this is an example of how could something nefarious or something like conspiracies or something like even politics or anything else, we're so distracted as humans because we recognize, you know, patterns in our everyday life. And if, if something is introduced into our environment that's a completely different pattern, different person, whatever, we usually don't pay it. Um, conscious mind in a manner whenever you're you're speaking to somebody like that so it just lends itself to think that it's very possible that if we're not consciously always trying to observe what's going on that shit can be a switcheroo can be done at any point in time well, I think not only can it be done at any point in time, but it's purposely being done, you know, like we were just talking about the manipulation of the mind and it's done to the mass, right? I mean, that's how we make that's how they, quote unquote they, make these things work. You and I were just talking about a movie we recently watched where it's a perfect example. Uh, it's a movie that got released to Netflix. It's called Don't Look Up. Now, in this movie, there is a giant ass meteor hurling toward Earth, right? We've all seen that movie before. Uh, Deep Impact, Armageddon, the list goes on and on. But in this movie, we were quite entertained with because it, it goes hand in hand with everything that you and I talk about in society now on how people are so detached from reality and the things that they should be observing with their own personal inundated lives to where they're, they're completely a bit oblivious that their lives could possibly end. And the possibility just, it was, what did we say? It was like 99%. Um, or no, no, it was, it when they first come out, they were talking about, they're like, uh, what, what is the likelihood this thing hits earth? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, so a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's a point zero 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 seven chance that it may not. Oh, so there's a chance. It couldn't. Yeah, we're not going to pay attention to this. You're just going to ignore the rest of that fraction. But you and I were talking about this and in this, uh, you know, we, we really don't want to give away too much of the movie because we found it entertaining and, uh, we, you know, we liked it. Uh, but they found a way, what they found was that the minerals on this meteor we're going to be precious metals, right? And they thought, well, since we can make a bargain off of this, only a portion of the world is going to be affected by it. We'll sacrifice them in order to gain the money. And they're trying to tell them, no, you don't understand. It, it, what, what was the, It's a planet killer. It's, a, it's a planet killer, right. There's nobody going to they, they, they were like, oh, well, now, you know, if it's a 1% chance that could work. A 1% chance that could work. And they went with that option. All right, we'll be millionaires. We'll, we'll be, be trillionaires. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, the money's going to be more than you could possibly imagine. Well, that does no good if you're dead, right? I mean, that was the, that was the way of the movie, and we kind of liked it. We um, we enjoyed it both. We, we talked about it, and obviously the critics gave it shit, which we talked about also, <laughs> because they didn't like it. They didn't want to believe... You know, and again, it was the mainstream media that gave it shit because they don't want to believe that uh, you know they were they were that far out of touch. They don't want you to believe that these mainstream media entities are that far out of touch and telling you what you should like and what you should do 
with your own day-to-day lives. They took a hit on this movie. Well, they they knew the implications of the movie was referencing their sort of secular ideology. Their, exactly. You know, how, how they separated people. And that actually nicely leads into another study. And I'm going to reference one or two of these studies. There was another study done in the 1950s, a uh, social uh, psychology experiment. And uh, it was the study leader was a gentleman by the name of uh, Musaf Sharif. And what he did was he wanted to see how easy it was to pit one group against another. So what he did was he took 22 boys to a camp. Okay. Wait, this isn't the Catholic priest again, is it? <laughs> no, no. Okay, no, just making sure. No. This was in Oklahoma. Uh, oh, I don't know if that's better or worse. <laughs> no offense. No, but out anyways, there. yeah, this was at Robbers Cave State Park in Oklahoma, and what they did was they separated the boys. Uh, they and they gave the the camp uh, a name like the Eagles and the Rattlers. Okay, so eleven boys, eleven boys, and they had summer camp. You know, they bonded, they had fun, they they did activities. And then what ended up happening was at the end of the week, they introduced these two groups. And when they introduced the two groups, the two groups not knowing who they were initially, even realizing there was another group at the camp somewhere, um, the boys started calling each other names. And when they started competing in various games, there was a bunch of conflict between the groups, and they just started fighting and fighting because they identified with those other boys, right? And it just took a week to go ahead and, and completely separate somebody and, and make someone feel like they were part of something. And whenever you try to mix them in with somebody, kind of like what you have right now, what seems like going on with politics. Right. Or, or people who are Trumpers or non-Trumpers or people who, of any any ideology, right, that's conflicting. Whether or even, it, even gang members, like like the bigger known, the Crips and the Bloods, when they did, you know, the whole, which was bigger in the 80s and 90s, but they did the same thing there, and it started from something that I believe was, uh, you know, a more, a more inner city type of smaller thing like that, and once it was fed, it grew into a monster on both sides. And right. I think you know that that that's another podcast episode we could do we could do right. because I think a lot of that uh, a lot of that fuel was fed by our own government as well. But go go ahead. No, yeah, and I, you know that's you no, know, you're on you're on point here. And basically, the ring, reason why I bring I thought this study was interesting, and I'm only referencing these studies. We're not going into them. Some of them we can really go deep into. Right. But I just wanted to go ahead and touch base with how easy it is through the psychological sort of manipulation. It is to go ahead and separate a group of people, and then hit them against each other in just a short period of time. Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. Okay. And then uh, there's another study, and, and those of our fans out there or, or members might know of this experiment. It's called the Milgram Experiment. Okay. And it was in 1961, and it was a Yale psychologist named Stanley Milgram. And basically what he did was he was trying to understand how the, the the crimes of the Nazis during World War II was even possible. Okay, and uh, this is a famous experiment. And uh, what he did was he had a teacher and he had a learner, right? And what he did was he separated them from different rooms and the person who was in charge of the experiment prodded the teacher to say, okay, anytime your student gets an incorrect answer... We want you to shock them. Okay. And now they weren't really shocking people. They were just playing audio as if the teacher was 
as the teacher could hear a student, you know, scream in pain. And every time the teacher asked a question, if the student got the answer wrong, the teacher was instructed to go ahead and dial up the voltage. And without question, the participant who was a teacher would constantly dial up regardless of the pain that they heard the student going through because they were being prodded to go ahead and do it. So this was an example of how humans have the tendency to go ahead and just capitulate to authority. I mean, that's a pretty dark practice right there. Right. And, and there, there was this, this again, this, I'm just roughly touching over this, but it is a famous psychological experiment. Uh, you, you referenced the Milgram experiment. And this kind of goes to the Stanford experiment, too, that we've referenced before with the prisoners and the guards, where once you give a certain segment of the population power, they, they tend to abuse that power against the other segment of the population. And this is why these psychological issues that we're trying to bring up they're very interesting, and um, it's the reason we need to point these out because whenever we talk about something like a 9-11, a majority of people, you will get them scoffing at you right away. What are you talking about? That's ridiculous. You know, these are the elements that we have to take into consideration. This is such an emotional act. I mean, it was, yeah. it, was it was such a tragedy. We're not saying there weren't lives lost. There were definitely uh, lives lost. And we're pointing out, you know, the, the theory of you know, why these things happen. And we're seeing the same thing right now with, uh, you know, COVID. Whenever COVID got released, it, the media was just, you know, what do we have to do? What do we have to do? Which is understandable, okay? But nobody, except for our president at that time, was going, where did it come from and why? Now, the first question should be, where did it come from and why? We can learn so much more from it and maybe even learn how to treat it when you start to look at origins of something like that when we talk about COVID. The question why you and I have been going over, you know, quite a bit and how soon. And we keep learning that, well, this, this has been around for a lot longer than we thought. And the reasons of why could be a lot darker than, uh, you know, what we're led to believe the entities telling us to do this and that with your own, uh, CDC, WHO could have a very big hand in all of this. That's why they don't want you to find out why. That's why they don't want you to, you know, dig any deeper. I mean, that's the, the the evidence is there leading into that, but it doesn't back their story. When, when you find somebody, if somebody is guilty, right, the last thing they want you to do is find out they're fucking guilty. I mean that that's that's what happens. So what they're happens? They're going to obscure the truth. They're going to obscure the truth. So when you have that power and that ability to obscure the truth, it's done on a, a scale that's astronomical that you couldn't possibly believe. That it's a much easier and more settling for people to believe that no, that that that's ridiculous. That couldn't happen. Uh, wait, what about this? What about this? What about this? All these things leading up to uh, such and. Uh, you know, that's why we're talking to you about how these secret societies 
exist, how they work, how they how they run, how they operate with that mindset and um, the different things that we find. I mean, Pearl Harbor was another one. We can get into that one as well. Um, the JFK assassinate, assassination, we can revisit that one, which I'm sure we will. Uh, we, we've learned more information on that as, as of recently. Right. Um, but going into uh, the secret societies and what we have to focus on, you know, what we're going to be focusing on here before we get into these things, it's very important to understand the mentality of these uh, individuals, of these organizations, these, these elites, like we always say, in these secret societies and why these things happen. Right. And that's why we're referencing some of these these quick studies is because it it gives proof to the psychological makeup of humans as a whole not every individual but for the most part how something something so deeply seated can go ahead and and blow up without anybody ever even realizing there's the there was there was another 2003 study I wanted to reference here real quick and it was done by the the journal psychological review and what they did was, this is an experiment on how power is used. And what they did was they had uh, two different students writing an essay in a contest for an essay. And then they had a third person in the study that was supposed to judge who was going to win them the money or not. And they were put in a room and, and the person was, the uh, what they did was they put a plate of cookies, right, in the room. Okay. But who doesn't like cookies? Right. Who doesn't like cookies? But what's funny is, every in every study, the last cookie was rarely ever eating, you know, out of just courtesy, right? But what they did notice was, it was always the person who was judging the paper that got the second cookie out of the four. So, you know, the two students and then the observer or the uh, teacher or the, the judge or whatever always got the second cookie. In an effort to dom, you know, show dominance, right? And what's interesting is what they said in here. Um, there was a researcher who who was part of it. Her name was, or his name, I'm not sure. Uh, psychologist Docker Keltner from UC Berkeley, and he his statement was: When researchers give people power in scientific experiments, they are more likely to physically touch others and potentially inappropriate ways to flirt in more direct fashion to make risky choices and gambles to make first offers and negotiations to speak their mind and to eat the cookies like the cookie monster with crumbs all over their face so this is another example of how anybody who has perceived power right and that's what these secret societies do you get these small groups that dunbar number that 150 you know, people that you can care about emotionally, right? Attach yourself to. You surround yourself in this echo chamber of these people who have this secret knowledge, right? And this is sort of the psychology of the elites looking down at us now. You see this all the time whenever you go and you watch, you know, Jen Psaki. Hey, you know, when she was asked about, shouldn't we just give COVID tests to everybody like the European countries do? And she said, well, what do you expect us to do? Go ahead and give everybody a free test? Complicated, though. Why not just make them free and give them out to, and have them available everywhere? Should we just send one to every American? Maybe. Then, then what? Ha then what happens if you if every American has one test? How much does that cost? And then what happens after that? All I know is that other countries seem to be making them available for in greater quantities for less money. 
Yeah. I mean, you're pushing it, right? You're pushing testing and you're pushing, well, they're pushing vaccinations, but like to your point, yeah. And I don't know if you've seen it or not, but she, she made a slip up not too long ago about uh, you know, weighing in your safety with your rights. And that's a dangerous, dangerous road to be going down. And everybody was calling uh, this administration out on this where they're going to start putting it out to you. And that's what tyranny starts doing. When you start weighing your rights with your safety, we're here for you. We're doing this for your own good. We're doing this for your safety. Because they know better. And this goes back to all these psychological studies, that you right. know, these three or four psychological studies that we reference here. It's all about forcing their viewpoints on, on you. This nefarious sort of mindset of how can any, any of these conspiracy theories that we discuss, whatever they might be, right? How is it even possible that they're even real? Well, if, if you dig a little bit deeper, there's a lot of reference material and there's a lot of studies out there that you can look up and show how easy it is to go ahead and do this. While people are distracted, while people are in fear, while people are scared, while there's turmoil in, in society, and these are all the elements that can be put into place that's similar to what's going on right now. And, and I would even say... That uh, you, when you talk to people and they talk about conspiracy theorists, conspiracy theorists, and they say it in such a uh, uh, a dark manner, right? They say more often than not, they go, oh, "You're a Trumpster. You're from the Trump era. You know this is you know this is why you believe in all these conspiracy theories." Well, the majority of your conspiracy theorists were conspiracy theorists before Trump took office. Some were enlightened to some of this information during that. And what happened for the majority of that between the Obama era and the uh, Trump administration, we had more information at our fingertips to see this information the, uh, from from a source that is not regulated by our governments, which they're, they're again, they're trying so hard to do. Regulate the Internet. Regulate the Internet. And how do they do They found certain ways to do it. How do they do it? Well, they do it by popular search engine. Right, so or fact checkers so, or fact or yeah, fact checkers, which were found to be uh, recently just people with p- opinions. The, the Facebook finally owned up to it. Yeah, these are people with our, our personal opinions, but they're still going to do it because it's Facebook. It's, it's their organization; they can, right? And that's where you can't find a lot of this information when somebody says, "Hey, Google it." We, well, you, you've already fucking killed it. You've right, already you muddied the water it. so much that it, the ability to go ahead and discern through all the information that's available. Because they don't allow certain information on their search engine. You can't right. find this stuff on there. Right. Um, Explorer, you can't find on Yahoo, you can't find this information on there. Um, I've mentioned before that I use, uh, I've used DuckDuckGo as a search engine because... That's one of the only places I can find this stuff where it's still going to keep uh, my identity secretive, safe, and I don't have to worry about getting hit with spam or uh, uh, spyware being tracked or followed or anything. So, you know, I encourage if anybody's out there, you know, trying to do some research, use DuckDuckGo as a search engine. Um, you know, if you have anything better, you have a suggestion, please let me know. I will, I, I will dig into that as well. Um, I know there's some things that you can't find on there, which is be to be considered the dark web, right? And I'm not encouraging people to use the dark web because there is some dark, dark stuff in the dark, dark web that I have come across and I have seen. You don't know, again, 
just like anything else in on the internet, you don't know what's what's true, what's fictional. You, but it's up to you to determine. It's not for Google to determine. It's not for Yahoo to determine. This is for you to make up your own mind. Uh, me, uh, personally, using a safe engine that's not uh, you know telling me what I should be looking at and I shouldn't be looking at. For me, it's DuckDuckGo, and I'm going to continue to use that. But, um, Jeffro, you have something? Yeah, no. you know, And we wanted to go back a little bit to um, some of these groups that we're going to take a little bit deeper depth dive into and um some some of the origins now mind you these are secret societies so obviously before they became known they might have been around prior to right so who knows if these dates that they put available out here are actually the actual date whenever they kind of germinated and became a group but you have uh and there's an interesting correlation that I want to bring to everybody with the times that these institutions were created. Okay. The first one is the Knights Templar. Now, it's, it's somewhat agreed that they came into existence right around 11, 1, 1, 1, 8, So 1118. Okay. What's interesting about that, that's right around the time we all know I mean, maybe not everybody might know, but the Knights Templar was an organization that was created to help Christians with safe passage from Europe down to the Holy Lands. Okay, so they were created during the Crusades. All right. Well, there was a Muslim cohort that people don't talk about all the time. Um, that was the Muslim world's version of of the Knights Templar, and they were called the Al-Hashashin. I hope I'm saying that right. Or they're also known as the Nizarari. Um, they're basically like a Muslim special forces. Okay. Now, this Hashashin is actually the origins of the word assassin. Okay, so that's where we get the words assassin from. Um, they basically were a fighting force on the Muslim side going against the Christian Nice Templar during the Crusades. Okay. Interesting. So we go ahead and we go a little bit further. We go the Illuminati. All right. Now it's claimed the Illuminati started in 1776. That's interesting. 1776. What yeah. else happened in 1776, Jeffro? American Revolution. Hmm. Hmm. Let's continue. The skull and bones that everybody talks about from the University of Yale, right? And again, we'll get into these a little bit further down the line, but I wanted to bring this to everybody's attention. They're known to have been created right around 1832. What was going on around in this country in 1832? Do you tell? It was the beginning stages of the abolitionist party and the parties of Kansas wanting to be a state and whether or not they're going to be a slave state or a free state in 1832 is when all this stuff was really starting to boil up this was at the very beginning of the civil war the mid the mid to you know the mid midwest it was all indigenous land right right but yeah 1832 if my dates might be off but i think it was 1840s 1850s that the civil war actually finally broke out but you're starting to see a pattern here. Okay. 1954 
was right after World War II. Or, I believe it was right after, right during, somewhere along there. Imagine or guess what group was created then. The Bilderberger Group, World War II. Now, what's interesting is one of the most famous political groups that were conspiracy groups was called the Black Hand. Now, for people who aren't history buffs, the Black Hand was the group of terrorists that started World War I when they assassinated Franz Ferdinand of Hungary. They were a Serbian group that was trying to recognize and bring the Serbs back into becoming like a Yugoslavia type thing, I believe. I, I could be a little bit off on that. But again, a huge conspiracy, a huge you know, secret society during World War One. And then you also have the Freemasons now. Who knows exactly when the Freemasons started because there's some evidence that they go all the way back to Egypt. There, Yeah, there's some evidence suggesting that the Freemasons go back uh, further than the Illuminati does. That the Illuminati actually de- derived from the Freemasons. And same thing with the Knights Templar. And same thing with Knights Templar. So, uh, Which, but, by the way, our first president was said to have been a Freemason, right? Well, actually, I believe there are 14 known Freemasons who had become president. I think Gerald Ford was the last one that they're at least letting out. Okay. Yeah, so I think there was 14. Maybe it was 13. I have to check on that. But, yeah, there's been known presidents who were part of the Freemasons. The only thing I can remember, the only time we had a political mind who was very outspoken against secret societies... um, JFK, right? Yeah. Very outspoken. What happened? Very outspoken. I don't know. I very strange. Very somebody, strange. Very, somebody outspoken of these societies and hmm, interesting. But no, yeah, I, I thought that was very interesting that I bring that up because it seems like every single one of these major conspiratorial secret societies, every time they pop up. And oh, sorry to pay that off. Uh, it's the the research that I saw, the website I saw. They said the Freemasons started in seventeen seventeen, and I, I couldn't find any correlating war to that. But again, I believe Freemasons probably. I think we can go came a way lot that. further back with uh, Freemasonry, right? You know, on that. But uh, yeah, so World War Two, World War One, the American Revolution, slavery in the Civil War. Uh, even the Rosicrucian Order, which a lot of people believe was a sect of the Knights Templar after the Knights Templar were taken the task by the king and the church. Because um, the Rosicrucians, I believe, started in Portugal or somewhere around there. Um, they show that they started in 1607. And I, this wasn't exactly a war, but it was the date that the Jamestown colony was founded in the United States for the first time. So it was basically the first mass exodus of Europe into the New World was when the Rosicrucians sort of came into power or came into prominence. So all these are very interesting. And and the reason why I thought that was interesting is because it leads me to believe or leads me to ask the question, all these major upheavals in social consciousness, all these major elements and events that happen, it seems like there's something new that percolates underneath the surface and emerges. 
And I, I'm, I'm wondering what might emerge out of what's going on right now. Oh, there is definitely, definitely something in the works, something that is about to emerge. Uh, there's a transition. There's definitely a transition, uh, if not of some sort of manipulation. And you and I were talking about that. And I think we'll get further into that with the uh, the Bilderberg coverage that we're we're going to do uh, when we do these episodes on secret societies. Uh, but I think, Jeffro, I think... Now that we've got the attention of our our listeners, um, if you want to wrap this one up for us before we get into the next episode, not to leave you guys with a cliffhanger, but hell, I mean, that's what we do, right? Yeah, I wanted wanted to say one thing with uh, good old George Orwell from his 1984 novel. Uh, It's something that he has a quote on, and I I thought it was pertinent to this episode. Um, And it's about secrets. And his quote is, if you want to keep a secret... You must also hide it from yourself. So that so that speaks to me that a lot of times you and I and those that are listeners and especially the people who are sleepwalking, they know what's going on. They they have a sense oh, that something's sure. going on. But they don't they don't want to confront it because it's you know, it's upsetting. Well, so therefore they they rather just lie to themselves and say, "Oh, everything's fine. Everything's fine." You know the the you know, ignorance. I mean, that's right, what right. we it's talk ignorance. about all the time. But it's easier to be ignorant. It's than, easier. Yeah. yeah. It's, so it's safer. And, we and, feel safer in that bubble, right? And, and in order to do that, you know, like you were saying, a lot of the time from Orwell here, to believe your own lie, you have to lie to yourself to believe that lie. Right. So you have to indoctrinate your own mind to 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 say that. There's nothing going on, or this happened this way. There's there's no other possible explanation for this. This is what it is. You lie to yourself until you start to believe your own lie. That's what I think Orwell was talking about there, and you're you're absolutely right. I mean, when you take a look around right now, and anybody who isn't awakened to what's happening, to even question it, they're... They're they're just that they're they're never going to be any further at this point. Uh, the best we could do is share the knowledge, you know, share the words, share the uh, you know all the content we have to try to help these people. But sometimes it's like talking to a wall because you're not going to get uh, a logical reasoning out of these people. They don't want it. No, no, and. Again, yeah, you're right. They, they're just happy in their ignorance and bliss. They, they don't, they, they, they don't want to. With all the evidence provided to them, it's just easier to capitulate to to the powers that be and just, you know, accept whatever it is they're willing to give you and just move on. And that's what we have to fight against. But just, you know, from my side of things. So that we don't end on a bad note, I did want to bring up one last study. All right, and uh, what it was is it's the uh, seventy-five year Harvard Grant study, which followed two hundred and sixty-eight Harvard graduates that graduated in nineteen thirty-eight to nineteen forty for seventy-five years, and the study was uh, the longtime director of psychiatrist George Valiant told the Huffington Post. That there are two pillars to happiness. One is love. The other is finding a way of coping with life that does not push love away. 
And he used an example. Um, one participant gain, began the study with the lowest rating for future stability out of all the subjects. He had previously attempted suicide, but at the end of his life, he was one of the happiest people. Question why? As Valiant explains, he spent his entire life searching for love. So, at the end of the day, love is the only thing that matters, right? And love is what was the universal conclusion, is that it it was the only thing that mattered when determining happiness and longevity for these for these undergraduates after a 75-year study. I mean, I wouldn't even go as far... I mean, I see what you're saying, but I wouldn't even go as far as putting the label of love on it. I would say uh, an affectionate connection. Yes. Right? Right. Because uh, I, I, I don't want to confuse people to thinking, oh, well, I have to be in, in love no, right. to have, find happiness. It's, I would say... You know, affection and an affectionate connection that could be as something as simple as a friendship, a hello. Uh, you know, pay, paying for somebody's coffee while you're waiting in a drive-through. Right. You know, a positive thing. You know, you can find that. That. That goes leaps and bounds, really. Right. And and some of these darker elements that we're touching on here, I don't ever want to lose focus. Like you know, in the beginning of this podcast, with David Ike, what he said was. We are the ones that give these elites their power. So we should understand that if we could practice love, practice our own autonomy, practice our own, you know, ability of freedom, right? We're the ones with the power. This is something that we talk about all the time. Always question, right? Always question. And you are more powerful than you even know. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I think we've driven that home quite a few times here and we will, we'll continue to do it. Just so that our listeners know. But, um, Jeffro, on that note, I think we're going to wrap this one up here. Get ready because we're about to go deeper into some of these darker societies, uh, secret societies, and, and things like that. And we're going to be leading into some of the 9-11 episodes, which is going to be obviously multiple episodes. There's a lot of detail there, a lot of things to uh, follow in the uh, breadcrumbs, the money trail, the reasoning we're not saying it didn't happen. We're not saying there weren't lives lost. We're saying there's a reason for it. There's a darker, deeper reason for it that evidence shows that is just being completely overlooked and covered up for be, simply because of its own stature, right? Right, right? So we will get into that, Jeffro. Until then. Until then, Mario. <laughs>